guys, and welcome back to Lift Every Voice podcast. Um, uh, we're here today with uh, our usual co-host, and we'll let our guest introduce herself. Um, uh, yeah, my name is Audrey Swartz. I am Miami from the banks of the Wabash River in Indiana. Um, I am a librarian here at K-State um, and a uh, member of the Indigenous Faculty Staff Alliance. Awesome. And so Audrey is an amazing advocate who we're going to be having a great conversation with today. Um, currently, when we're recording this, it is October 29th. So we're about to start Native American his, uh, Heritage Historic. Yeah, Heritage Month. Heritage Month. Heri- Heritage uh-huh. month. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's get into a little bit about that. Uh, before we started the podcast here, we were talking just about some upcoming talks that you guys will be giving. Dr. Deborah Bolton and Audrey will be giving here at K-State and some events that are going to be going on. So... Well, I can just review those. I'm Dr. Yeah. Deborah Bolton. And when um, Audrey introduced herself, she says she's Miami from the banks of the Wabash River. Yep. And I would, and, and usually when we say our native uh, tribal affiliations, it follows our names uh, with parentheses oftentimes. I'm Okiawinge, uh, Diné, and Ute. So we would always introduce ourselves like who we were born for and who we were born to. So you're born for your mother's family and to your father's family. So that's, that's just some things we're going to be talking a lot about during November because it is uh, Native American Heritage Month. And for example, on Monday, I'll be leading a service of lament and educational programming with Dr. Melissa Pohl at the ECM in Manhattan on campus. And then on Tuesday, uh, Audrey, Nate Armenta, and I will be presenting Indigenous Voices in the Media as part of the Miller School of Journalism Huck Boyd Lecture Series. It's a long name. <laughs> so take it away, Audrey. Uh, oh, and then on that day, we'll be talking about Indigenous Voices. And then the following week, I'll be doing Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women in the, I can't remember, the, at the 17th, I think, in the Grand Ballroom of of the Union. So lots of opportunities for you to learn about indigenous people, our heritage, and some of the gray's bad things that happened to us along the way. <laughs> so and are continuing to happen. Yeah. So tell us about it, Audrey. Oh. Tell us more about what you're thinking today. Oh, so many things. Um, so y'all can't see it, but I have a t-shirt on that says, my culture is not a costume. Um, and it is, you know, Two days before Halloween, and so I felt very. It felt very relevant to wear That's it. That's a good one. Um, in fact, uh, my quick story: my sister um, was trick or treating with her children last night, and uh, the family in front of them were dressed as Indians. The little girl was Pocahontas, um, and so she had like a moment where she like confronted them, and yeah. we're like, "This is not like this is not okay." Um, and props to her because I probably would have been like. Ugh. I don't have the energy for that. Yeah, <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today. Um, but that, you know, sort of played into my thoughts for today. And then this afternoon, um, the Safe Zone workshops offered a missing and murdered indigenous woman. And um, I should clarify, Safe Zone follows under in, intercultural learning. 
and of which I'm the director. So I'm, I'm taking notes as you talk <laughs> about that. Please um, proceed. Yeah, so they were, they were discussing um, the missing and murdered indigenous women um, movement that um, has happened in the last uh, 10 years. Yeah. It's... It's been a while. <laughs> oh, just the recognizing yeah, as the a actual, movement. Like, movement. As a movement, yes. Um, like for the first time I was involved with it was when one of the touring exhibits came down from Canada uh, to Michigan. I'm originally from Michigan. Um, and it was one of the exhibits where they had um, moccasin vamps, which are the tops of, of your moccasins, um, that there was there was a pair for at that point, every documented case. Wow. Um, and they asked, you know, indigenous artists across the Americas to send them in. Um, my auntie sent, my mother sent one. Um, and that was like, that was an experience. Like you walk into that room and they were just like all laid out on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anybody who went through the, that exhibit left not crying. Yeah. Because it's just, it's, it's hard. It's just a reminder of, like, it when you see something that was of someone, it's like that that was someone's something. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of kind of, um, there was a, um, like, an art exhibit that was featuring what women wore when they were either sexually assaulted yeah, or raped. That, and was, that gives me kind of the same wow. vibes. That was yeah. here. That was, was it, that in the student union? Uh, I think there's there's been many iterations of it, but okay. there's just like large like art institutions. Uh, I don't want to say anything incorrectly because I don't I don't know I I've, don't remember I've where seen I saw that it for particular the first time. one. Yeah. yeah, but that it kept, it gives me kind of the same vibes. Um, it also gave me the same vibes as like when I saw uh, the AIDS quilt when I was a child. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. when they were that was touring the United States, and I went and saw that. That is also a very like concrete thing that you can look at because the numbers are staggering right you just can't imagine um but anyway <laughs> well and and i think the more that it's it's an it's a piece of history that or actually con- very not even history it's contemporarily happening it's a piece of current events that people don't understand and i'll give you an example someone asked me the other day well, what is it with those uh, native men raping those women all the time on campus. I said, I, I mean, on their, their reservations. I said, well, there's your first mistake, thinking that it's that they're getting raped on the reservation. But the rapists are smart enough to know if I take this woman, this child, off the reservation, nothing's going to touch me. Tribal police can't touch me. The U.S. government doesn't care enough to, to, to no. do anything about it. And I know they're backed up. I mean, that's the story. Yeah. But if you think of all the rape kits that just sit there and never get tested, or the fact that, that people tend not to um, report, I think oftentimes girls are taught. That's, uh, a, and that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole right? other topic. Yeah, yeah, don't don't rock the boat Every, here. Yeah, everything is much deeper than just black and white. Sure. And what people make it out to be. Well, and when you think about the sort of like, you know, thousands of indigenous women who are missing – um, and that's just what's been reported. Yeah, the that, thousands so of you missing like, women. Yeah, you think been, like, oh, okay, who there's a good one reporting. You know, rape cases. That's just who reported it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 
indigenous women's case, you know, that's women who reported it and the police believed. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Right. Or um, they actually reported their report. Right. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, it's it it goes to the question of how many how many indigenous people's remains have been dug up over the past decades and how many are in custody of Mm -hmm. national institutes of art institutes of governments local state federal governments that they say we can't release these because they have no documentation to show which tribe has a claim to them Mm. but even then when someone claims them they don't want to release them right i mean we know yeah we know where where our people are yeah so it's even more than just like the people who were taken mm-hmm. and when they were alive. It's people who were also taken when they passed on already, and it's just. But yeah, I think I think for me the case with this movement, the frustration is that the agency is placed on the victims, mm-hmm. right? We are expected to be the ones championing this cause. We're not getting much, you know. Um, Outside of other uh, people of color groups, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter has really supported um, indigenous causes. And but like you're, you're looking around, you know, the white community and funding and stuff like that. And we're just we're not we're not part of that money pot. We're not part of that trauma response. We're not. They're just like, oh, well, we've been historically taught to think that you don't matter. Oh, and, yeah. And so you don't matter. Your children don't matter. It doesn't matter that one of, you know, the more recent missing um, women was an indigenous actress. They were just like, oh, she probably ran away. And then she was found, her body was found in a river by people who were canoeing. Like, Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in Montana alone, after the, uh, was Gabby Patia Montana the most recent case? What, Gabby Patia, where was she from? Well, she's from Florida, but Florida. did it happen in Montana or South? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, there say, were women yeah. in that state. There were like 710 indigenous women who disappeared from that state in the similar region with zero attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. it all went about Gabby Patia, and then and so we, you know, as Native women. The, the movement latched onto that and was like, mm-hmm. look at all of this attention this, like, thin white woman is getting. Mm-hmm. What about these 700 yeah. women who have just disappeared? Yeah. Think of how long the socialization has been in place. If you think about all the different acts, uh, congressional acts, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 1819, when they there was the Indian Civilization Act, mm-hmm. 1830, the Indian Removal Act, mm-hmm. and there you can even Google this pictures of the children before they went to the boarding school and after, and all of it was look how good they look now they look more like us and all of these kinds of things, and you know in those boarding schools. Those same uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, all of the abuse that fell upon those children. Mm-hmm. And it was the churches leading that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not anti-church. Don't even think that. But if you think about it. But um, it's simply just stating facts of what happened. Right. They're, they're yes. who ran the schools. Yeah. That's what. Like, and I, oh, there are pictures. There are some of the pictures I was looking at today. That would show like a priest or a nun standing over the kids. The nun had a stick in her hand Very stern. as they're praying. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, 
how and then it was all about shame and erasure Mm -hmm. and one of the things that there was a note to someone else saying look and it was actually about re uh reculturating the children re-civilizing and civilizing them yeah and i think that's really interesting because like looking back at my own culture um in mexico i don't know if you guys are too familiar with like native culture of mexico um catholicism and while we were being like conquered conquered and conquered is um, right (laughs) and colonized catholicism was used to basically like wipe out and Mm re-civilize mayan and um aztec native people um and so dia de los muertos which is actually in two monday monday sunday Monday, tuesday oh okay sunday monday's the first um i don't even know what day it is to be honest is but i know we're having like a festival the 31st i think it's the 31st 31st Mm. and the first Uh yeah so the 31st is when we put our ofrendas up which is actually a uh indigenous ritual and a native ritual that came from our ancestors Uh that survived our colonization (laughs) um (laughs) and a lot of people don't know that a lot of hispanic people don't really know that that was like a a native ritual that that our native ancestors would do and they kind of like sold it off as like Halloween to like oh. keep it through ah. colonization. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I was reading an, an article today about the um, commercialization of, mm-hmm. of Dave the Dad. Um, and it can be almost taken as like a cultural appropriation type thing. Oh, but I, totally, I definitely 100%. think that. As long as you do it in a way that it's like not like 100%. you're not well, appropriating. If I make the a little girl who's going to come dressed up as a Day of the Dead girl yeah. to don't, my house on don't Sunday. Don't paint your face, please. Like, yes. It's like, 100% yeah. appropriation. <laughs> and I had a neighbor who was Hispanic and she dressed up as like that and I thought, oh, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then she had a picture of this little boy who was dressed up uh, he's the little boy in Coco. Yeah. yeah. And she was dressed up as the grandma or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And they took pictures. And I just thought that was so cool. But yeah. I also thought that's cool because they're honoring something of their past. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen people show up. Um, I was I used to volunteer at a zoo where I lived before. And we always had boo at the zoo. Mm-hmm. And one day, one of the, my fellow docents came dressed as an Indian, Aww. and she had the like uh, leather-looking thing on. She had a Brady. Oh, it was just disgusting. And then somebody said um, said something to her, and she goes, "Watch it, or I'll scalp you." And I said, <gasps> "Okay, that's enough. It's enough that you are misappropriating my identity, but we are not the people that did the scalping. Right? We that were was, sca- we were the scalpies. That was <laughs> we were the scalped. Top yeah. behavior. And I mean." That's- that was done because it, essentially for when if and when indigenous people did it, it was because they were proving uh, to whomever. Yeah, but yeah. it was started like by the colonizers. How many other indigenous people they had killed. Yeah. In this whole That's like crazy. civilization. Um yeah, the uh, you know, you mentioned all of the the bodies that have been dug up and that, you know, and we're still digging more. Right, makes me think of um and we talked about this a little before we got started, the uh, Every Child Matters movement, mm-hmm. um, which originally started um, as part of Canada's Truth and Reconciliation stuff. Um, the first official recognition was last year. This year was the second. Um, and, you know, as of right now, in the United States and in Canada, they have uncovered 7,310 
children who were killed at residential schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do say killed, right? These they were, killed. They were murdered. These children yeah. were beaten to death. And they I mean, there's were, documentation right. of this as well. They so were starved. No they're that. dehydrated. It's exposure they to... They experimented on them. They mm-hmm. tested electric chairs on Native yeah. children, right? Um, and so you you have this, and you know this is a thing that... Um, it dawned on me this summer that this was a thing that I have always known. I grew up knowing that these existed. I have always known. Mm-hmm. And so the shock that I saw through like the media and through American culture, um, I was just sort of like, you didn't you, yeah. really you didn't know about this. <laughs> well, like we we had slavery. We were like <laughs> not good humans. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> like how did you not? And we couched it behind religion. Mm-hmm. I want to read you something that I presented the other day. Um, of the 367 native boarding schools in the U.S., 73 still remain open and 15 continue to board indigenous children taken from their parents. Here in Kansas, we must acknowledge the following boarding schools and atrocities fraught upon native children. Haskell Indian Training School, which is now in Haskell University, the Great Nemaha Indian School, Ka Manual Labor School, Kickapoo Labor School, Osage Manual Labor School, Potawatomi Labor School, and Shawnee Mission Boarding Schools. And the goal of the schools, as they state, is to take the Indian out of the boy or girl. The sad part is graduation was never a goal. However, survival remained the wish for the children. And then I, I just kind of stressed, children who were able to leave the school didn't graduate, they survived. It wasn't a goal for them to graduate. They played the part mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Right? Or they, they played completely into it adjusted. Enough. Or yeah. they completely assimilated. Um, Assimilation, that's something we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, my great-grandmother was in a was in a boarding school um, in Indiana. It's actually a White's residential, uh, residential Institute. It is still open. Um, and she was there when, I mean, in theory, we'd stopped doing Indian boarding schools. Um, so she would have been there in the 19-teens and removed from her family when she was four. Um, she ran away several times, finally successfully when she was 16. Um, she's a fascinating human. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, this is so recent. Mm-hmm. And people sure. don't understand that. Like, yeah, that's my great-grandmother, but I know people who, like, their parents mm-hmm. – yeah. Were the farther west you get, the sooner that that timeline moves up. You know, there were still kids getting sent to school in the seventies, and so we have contact with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, like you know, she was a. I say she survived. Um, she refused to ever talk about it. She adamantly denied that she was indigenous. Um, she you had to. She changed her name three or four. Like her her names changed so much, it's sort of hard to track her. Um, but you know, she—that's what you had to do to survive at that time. Um, and I'm—I'm I'm very grateful that she did survive, and that you know, the my great great grandmother adopted her when she did. Um, and it's just like, it's just amazing to me that mm-hmm. this is something all indigenous people know about, but somehow, like mainstream culture. Doesn't want mm-hmm. us to talk about it. Doesn't even acknowledge it. 
Right. It doesn't even (laughs) exist. I mean, I think maybe in high school history, you might read something about the Carlisle schools. Maybe. Like, that's the only thing I ever learned about in history class was the Carlisle schools. I didn't even learn that. And I'm like, there are more than just the... Well, like I just read. Right. Like, (laughs) there are way more than the Carlisle schools. Um, And the states that had the most boarding schools were Oklahoma and Arizona. Yeah. It was lots of them. It's, yeah, it it was not great. still active. Yeah. In, in some of those places. And if you think about the history of indigenous people, we weren't, okay, Indian removal of 1830 and all that, but um, 1873 is when the U.S. Congress finally decided that we were human. And we were people. Yeah, maybe human. They're, I think they're human. But 1924, we weren't allowed to be citizens of this United States until 1924. Mm-hmm. And then we could vote. In some states in 1939, my own grandmother, the League of Women Voters, came and picked her up to go vote. She oh, voted for FDR. She she did a lot of research in that. <laughs> She's a brilliant lady. And But Arizona and New Mexico didn't allow their indigenous populations to vote until 1949. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there are some places where uh, Native people couldn't vote until the 70s. Yeah. Like, again, like yeah. this is all so recent. Sure. Um, And is just ignored and so talking about either just ignored or never taught honestly and talking about never taught like we should just start talking a little bit about native voices and the media and like um sure well i i just go well (laughs) i mean you can just go but um no i i i really liked the phrase and i don't know if it if this is the phrase of the movement or something that you just were saying earlier is that nothing about us without us yes um and so can you familiarize my me with a little bit so that's a like i mean that's a thing well you were talking about something and we we talk a lot about that but i think you gave a good example of the safe zone program you went to they right. uh, the people that informed it and and I shouldn't be standing here talking about my own program though um, but oftentimes we forget I, I appreciate that they're interested in that sort of thing but oftentimes they just forget to ask the people who have actually had the experience and taking the white scholar over the native person maybe I mean I think it's just an easier thing to do sometimes mm-hmm. and um, we probably should have talked about that first but you know there's just that don't talk about us unless you really know and one of us is involved in this in yeah. this conversation I was getting ready for this lecture that Audrey and I are going to do on Tuesday and one of the people that I invited wasn't able to come and the person putting it together said oh I know this person can I just ask her I said no why would you ask her well she's part of this organization that really supports native yes but she's not native she doesn't know she reads but you just have to have there's this sense that we know we because we've watched our parents and our grandparents experience these things we neither one of us are on the reservation so we're not experiencing those but I don't want you to decide what my story is. Let me right. tell my own story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you there. Um, and I think, you know, for me, who is white appearing, right, I could very easily pass. I Yeah, like, I pass all the time. Um, uh, and just not, like, just be like, oh, whatever. Um, but... 
you know, I thankfully I was raised by a woman who um, she is a rhetorician. So for her, like it all language matters, imagery, like it's all important. And she, my mother starts every piece of writing she has with this is a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's because it is like no matter how many facts and everything you have, it's all a story that we're interpreting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you know, most recently when natives became more presently represented <laughs> in the media, um, this sort of this like you don't talk about me without involving me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me the first media thing I saw that like popped out to me as like, oh yeah, I get this, like they understand, um, was Smoke Signals. Ah, yeah. Great, I mean, great movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of from there, I feel like that's, for me, that's where the like sort of bringing indigenous people back into the present started happening. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, clearly it was a slow process, but now we have, you know, reservation dogs and all of the oh. writers are indigenous and the act like and we have um you know killers of the flower moon was filming here in kansas and all of you know many of those actors were indigenous and they you know really respected the tribe and the story and what that story meant to the tribe mm-hmm. um and so i think as we're we're making those changes um i am hopeful that we will start to be uh, seen as existing now um, because so much of it is our, what gets taught, what we see, what y'all see um, is indigenous people in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and they don't talk about indigenous people right. in the now. Like, like, they, like we don't exist. That's why we have yeah. this mantra, we are still here. Mm-hmm. And it made me, uh, some. Uh, there was a department that, put their own little Indigenous Peoples Day poster together last year, and they used a, like a statue in a, in a museum mm-hmm. triptych, and the guy, he's got a headdress on. He's not even a real person, but he's dressed up, yeah. and he's by a campfire. And it, so it, that, some people actually think that's what it is, and it's gone now. But we just keep saying we're here. We haven't been completely exterminated, yeah. although a lot of erasure took place, and we're trying to get uh, our languages back and that sort of thing. But, you know, the, the people were on this continent 13,000 to 21,000 years ago before mm-hmm. other people arrived. And I think that's the educational piece that you will not see. Since the history books are usually colonial history, yes. This is not added in it. My, yeah. my daughter, you know, who's in USD 383 here, is, like, they're still teaching the Bering Strait theory of mm. As if it's migration. Only, yeah. Um, which has been already, like... We already know that that's been not... Been disproved so many times. But that is still what our school district is teaching young indigenous children, let mm-hmm. alone young, you know... Children. Children. Just, yeah. Um, and so... You know, I spend a lot of time with her um, unlearning. Yeah. <laughs> like being like, no, like we're going to, like. Yeah, that's something we all have to continue doing. It's unlearning and trying to rewrite the narrative that's Dang. been written for us. That's a good yeah. way to say it. Thank yeah. you, Maria. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap up this um, this wonderful conversation. But thank you so much for yeah, for coming you. on and and 
letting us pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> so thank you, Audrey. We'll come, yeah, thank you for inviting. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thank bye. you, Maria. Bye.